0: Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now, here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello, Final Girl. (laughs) I just handed you that yawn. (laughs) You You
1: did. Tamara Tamara yawned right before we started recording, and it made me yawn, so hopefully (laughs) I had just enough time to wrap it up. Um, Hello, Final Girl.
0: How are you? Yeah, I'm Stop so doing it. We're going to be on the whole show. <laughs> I know. And it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2.45 on a, it's an MLK day. Woo.
1: Yeah. MLK day, national day of service.
0: Yeah. And
1: I, I think that this is, this is how we are serving our fellow horror fans. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we have a, a pretty appropriate topic for today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, sorry.
1: So, uh, what I was gonna say is like, you know, this this episode is going to air. Um, we believe the day after the inauguration, oh
0: yeah,
1: um, date of inauguration would have made it would make it two weeks after the insurrection at our uh, nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be, you know, that may not be a word that it's it's a word that's being used a lot now. Um, and that was, you know, that was that was the article of impeachment. Um, brought against Mr. Trump for the second time. (laughs) I think, you know, I think, I think, I think I can safely say that we're, we're steering um, away from any kind of us versus them um, in the podcast Mm -hmm. and focusing, focusing more on, um, you know, the, 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 the individual and society, um, and what, what can be a fraught relationship?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that it's really hard right now because every, it it feels like every time that you talk about these things, I say you and in the general, the, we talk about these things, that there's a implied or understood, um, political bent to them um i wrote an article last week about the basically like how all the social media um have responded after the july 6th uh insurrection events january
1: yeah january 6th (laughs)
0: <laughs> July, uh, January. <laughs> Lord knows where we'll be. July six. Oh God, like, who the hell knows? Uh, yeah, um, but my um, my article was basically like these are all the social networks that have dropped uh, Trump for inciting violence. These are all of the uh, tech companies that have also pulled their support for um, you know te- other tech companies like parlay and um, and because all of these things um, are not First Amendment violations it's terms of service violations and so if mm-hmm. you if you violate the terms of service they're capitalists corporations they can kick you off and they don't have to answer to they don't have to answer to the constitution because they are like they're private corporations and so like the the idea that this is a a problem with free speech is like well if you really want to talk about it no it's it's this is about terms of service this is not about Free speech. Uh,
1: yeah, I really, I really appreciate that perspective. I think that's, I think that's right on. And um, so our listeners know, um, we do, we we still will be using our traditional format of picking a horror film in relation to whether it be a letter or if we just decide to do like a special interest topic like we're doing today mm-hmm. um a horror mo- movie that reflects um the the presented themes and so this week we chose mm. john carpenter's they,
0: they live.
1: live we sleep and i I've been wanting to watch this forever. I can't believe I've never seen it, but I got really excited when we started talking about this. I was like, oh, this would be the perfect movie.
0: <laughs> Max actually came in and I was in like, it was probably the first 10 minutes. Uh, you know, Nada had already met Frank and they're like sitting um, on this wall Max comes in from the garage and he's like, oh my God, are you, are you, are you watching They Live? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yes, I am. He's like, I haven't seen this movie in years. Um, I had never seen this movie. I never knew it existed. I uh, I know who Keith David is, but I don't really remember him in anything other than... Um, the princess and the frog because do you know who he is in that No, you go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Uh, because he sings he's the like um, the voodoo um, the voodoo guy and he sings I've got friends on the other side. Wait, we I don't s- even know this. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, Max was like, he started singing this, and I was like, wait a second, that's the same guy. Oh my god! And we sing that song all the time.
1: That is so oh shoot, 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 shoot. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Okay. I was looking at something on IMDB and it wanted to auto load a video. I'm pretty sure that Keith David was in The Thing, another Carpenter film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course our when you said max walked in in the first 10 minutes i was like well about eight of that was uh roddy piper walking while the music was like (laughs) which continued throughout the entire film
0: (laughs) yes yes that that like Um, the blues guitar and harmonica um, I, yeah. I do want to say really quickly that the other place that I know Keith David from is Requiem for a Dream. He has a very- Oh, I, did
1: not, I didn't remember he was in that.
0: So when the girlfriend starts working as an escort for drugs, he's the guy that- pairs her with another woman at some sex party and there's like a double-sided dildo and the the ass to ass uh scene that's that's them
1: Okay, That's this him, is just how much I don't remember things about movies. Because <laughs> I saw that movie, and how in God's name could I forget that?
0: <laughs> uh, or maybe it's an, uh, maybe it's another movie. Somebody will correct me, I'm sure, if I'm incorrect about <laughs> that. But uh, that, that was a memorable moment for me. Um, but I'm guessing you want to kind of dive in. Instead of me talking about all the places that I know Keith David
1: from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and uh, the last thing I'll say about Keith David is, it's very hard to remember his name because I believe there's another actor named David Keith, Oh. um, who, as I recall, was in Firestarter. He played the dad. Or maybe he was in An Officer and a Gentleman, or maybe he was in both. I'm not sure. Um, I could attempt um, an on-the-fly summary of this film so, um with they live He was um, in both, in the character... by the way. Sorry. Oh, what's that? He was in both. He was in both. I I'm good. I'm so you good. are
0: fantastic.
1: <laughs> Except remembering details about the the movie that we actually watched each week. <laughs> you usually end up reminding me of who was the main character's name? now. No. no. <laughs> well in this case. The main character has no name. he's not referred to one in the credits, he's called Nada as in Mm -hmm. nothing. Um, But Roddy Piper is a drifter who comes into town. Um, You know, just a a guy looking for work. Hmm. Um, Work is dried up uh, in Denver for him. So he's basically looking to just find a new opportunity, Um, you know, work his way back to um, you know, a, a more stability, you know, and, um, in, uh, ends up staying in a, I mean, would you call it? I don't know what to call it. I don't want to call it anything insensitive, but basically it's like a homeless camp.
0: Yeah. I was going to um, say a shanty town or a tent city.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like a tent city. And, um, he, he, he's got a job Got a construction job, meets a guy named Frank, uh, played by Keith David. Mm-hmm. And I believe Frank is staying at the Tent City as well. Correct. Right? Like yeah. yet, it took me a while to, to kind of nail that down, that he actually lived there as well. And, um, you know, Nada, I don't know whether to call him Nada or just say Roddy Piper. It's probably easier to say Roddy Piper. Right. Um, that he, he just begins to observe things that are going on on kind of the outskirts of the camp. And what he ends up discovering um, are, you know, this group of people who's kind of trying to like, wake the city up, like get out of your slumber, you're being controlled, Mm -hmm. you know, this is how they do it. They anesthetize us. And they're this grassroots kind kind of group. And it turns out they have discovered that probably half the planet is actually populated by aliens that (laughs) are controlling us (laughs) that are controlling us basically by by making people um giving them opportunities and making them rich and basically lulling them into security so nobody really questions or challenges anything Mm -hmm. and this group this kind of this kind of counter counter this revolutionary group Um, has created these glasses that allow the aliens to be seen and distinguished from humans. And that also, basically, anytime you look at any kind of advertising... All the detail is just stripped out and you're getting core messages like obey, marry and reproduce, (laughs) conform, stay asleep, things like that.
0: This is your God. (laughs) The money says this is your God. It
1: ends up being, you know, Roddy Piper's crusade and who he can convince to join him to try to, you know, break through this. So. Right. That was a long ass summary. Sorry about that. No, it was actually, it was
0: much more concise than my like five pages of notes on um, every single thing that happens and every funny thing that happens. I like what was really interesting to me is the way that they set this up through Frank and through Nada as a recession story that the um came from Colorado and the the um jobs have all dried up. Frank left his wife and two kids in Detroit and he said the steel company got a bailout and they gave themselves raises for the bailout. Yeah. Bailout is my word, not uh his word. Um and kinda
1: sounds like yeah it kinda sounds like two thousand eight, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was 1988. The movie was in 1988, and twenty years. Right, and this is like just past Reagan. Um, this is what Bush one. I don't remember. Yeah,
1: who. Bush one, mm-hmm. Bush one, um, and our last one-term president. Just thought I'd yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <clears> throw. And then, so of course, like when they get to the tent city shanty town that's got like, you know, a cooperative uh, food kitchen, I was kind of like, I actually wrote down, is this some socialist shit? <laughs> 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 to be perfectly frank, um, it it does seem like they're setting up the shantytown as the, I'm just realizing now that Frank's name is like Frank to tell it like it is, um, sorry. But the they're setting up that uh, shantytown tent city as like sort of the, um, obviously the opposite of the middle-class rich people that are in downtown LA, but more of a um, kind of utopia. Nada can borrow this kid's glasses and they've got TV and they've got, you know, they've got food, they've got uh, things, right? But they don't, um, they're not slaves to the sort of corporate life, like say Holly is with her house up on Mulholland Drive.
1: Right, right. And Holly is, Holly, I mean, Holly is human. She's not one of the aliens, but she is a co-conspirator with the aliens. She's a She's an executive at Channel 54. Yeah, Cable 54. Um, <laughs> cable 54, which is, um, I got a little confused because the Tent City Group, Um, they were trying to get their own signal strong enough, I think, to break through the local cable Mm -hmm. in order to get their message out there to warn people, um, about the fact that it's like, okay, you are being like, you know, people are being enslaved, um, and you know, I was just thinking about this because when you read various short descriptions of the film, they talk about the evils of the mass media. But then, what is the relationship? If it's, <laughs> it's, is it the, is it the, is it the aliens um, who helped establish? the messaging because they've been here for a long time because, you know, Americans are perfectly capable of doing that on their own. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so what was your read? What was your read on that? I mean, what's the, did the aliens help create, did they help create the infiltrated messages of obey and money is your God and that kind of thing? Or were the two just kind of in tandem?
0: You know, there were a lot of things about this movie that didn't quite add up to me. And so I don't think I thought too deeply into that. Um, because, um, Because the explanation about the aliens... Well you know, they're not here. They're not here to like eat the humans. Right. But then they say, they say, um, we are livestock. Um, and so they don't fully explain that. Um, I, I, it's real. I think that there's a lot of, In order to, (laughs) sorry, uh, trying to put this thought together. I think that in order to get through the movie in an hour and a half or under two hours, whatever, that they don't fully explain why the aliens are here, why they're, uh, you know, why they need to control. And I mean, they say they're free enterprisers. And then like that's supposed to be an okay reason for us to follow them because, oh, well, they're not going to hurt us. They just want to come here and make a lot of money.
1: It's like, right. And, or, you know, and enslave, <clears throat> <and> <clears throat> financially enslave, um, you know, half the population, you know, while, while, while doing so. Right. Um, and... It's interesting I just remember now that they talked about like this this group of revolutionaries I don't I'm struggling to find the word to call them <laughs> um, but they talked about another resi- the resistance the resi- I'm gonna use the resistance because they had talked about I think another resistance movement in another location mm-hmm. that was either struggling or. So yeah, so it kind of it, it kind of brings up the question of well, I mean, how many people know? It seems like there's a small number of people who actually know what's going on in right. the reality. And in their various groups, resistance groups are trying to educate the rest of the public and yet without the glasses, you know, nobody's really going to believe it because the the one of the leaders of the resistance, um, you know, almost comes across like a televangelist, except sort of with yes. the opposite message. Yes. Um,
0: so I, I told you, you know, before we really started that I have that I don't know who to root for in this. and there are reasons for that and I think a lot of those reasons have to do with like current events okay so in, in our current world the folks who are the conspiracy theorists and know what they know you know quote unquote the truth about the like you know the secret cabal that runs the world right and like, in my mind, well, in reality, in of the last couple of weeks, we've seen those people try to foment a violent insurrection at our capital, And so, like, my movie self, who is suspending reality, is like, yeah, let's... Uh, root for Roddy and his uh, and Frank and because they see what everybody else isn't. But then my 2021 self is like, Oh fuck. No. Like I don't want people to fight violently against the supposed like capitalist forces. Like, you know, it's not okay to take up guns against people and indiscriminately shoot people in the bank you know like that that is not okay and so i obviously there's 30 something almost 40 years in between when this movie came out and right now but i i have like this cognitive dissonance where i'm not Easily able to reconcile this movie with current events.
1: I I in in that case then yeah I had the same yeah I had the same cognitive dissonance because I tried with with the current events and the the people who stormed the Capitol. I tr- I tried at least I've tried at least a little bit to look at it in a very detached way. Mm-hmm. And of course, the very first thing that came to mind is our, our democracy was born from insurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, we rebelled against our governing forces for what we believed were, well, taxation without representation, you know, um, un- unfair controls. You know, the system is rigged against against us. And that sounds a lot like what happened on January 6th. The difference being, and I mean, this is where people, it depends on what side of the, where you are on the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either going to say, hey, how is this different than how our country was formed? Or like, th- here is a group of people Um, suffering under a a serious mass delusion, fomented, because we get to use the word fomented (laughs) in a situation like this, and no other that I'm aware of, (laughs) uh, fomented um, by the leader of our country. Right. Um, I don't see how you can hear pieces of his speech about going down to the Capitol and you cannot, you cannot lead, you cannot, you know, show weakness. You must always show strength. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got to just stop a the steel. Lack of any desire to control the extremists groups that have I mean, I don't know enough to say that it's gotten worse in the in the past four years. I think every generation and every flashpoint, that's kind of the line is it's worse now than it's ever been. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I mean, we are we are more politically divided, I think, than ever before. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I'll, I'll pause there.
0: Well, I think that's a really good segue into one of the Quotes we were going to discuss, um, which was from Abraham Lincoln. Um, would you like to read that quote, Lori?
1: Sure, sure. Um, so his, and this is this is the a House Divided speech, um, or a part of it, only a part of it. Mm-hmm. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Either the opponents of slavery will arrest the further spread of it and place it where the public mind shall rest in the belief that it is in the course of ultimate extinction or its advocates, slavery's advocates, will push it forward till it shall become lawful in all the states, old as well as new, north as well as south. So obviously in this speech, we are talking about literal slavery. Mm -hmm. Um, In the movie, we are talking, in They Live, we are talking about um, a a different kind of quote-unquote slavery uh very different a very different but still one group absolutely controlling another and the efforts of um a separate group in society to put an end to it right
0: and i i mean i I wonder if Uh, I don't know, this is, it's so hard and it brings up so many thoughts that I'm having a hard time um, talking about it because like what it, what it sets up is free enterprise versus some sort of like um, almost like communist reality. And I think that we have seen from history that like the the purely capitalist thing that Roddy and <laughs> Nada and Frank are fighting against um, can cause really bad effects. It causes poverty, it causes um, severe not only income inequality but also racial inequalities and um, problems with uh, nepotism in the government and all those sorts of things but then on the other hand you know those sorts of things are the same product of communism and so so it has to be something in the middle
1: yeah, and I think I think the I think I'm struggling with the communism angle. I mean, the, the root word is commune, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but I think I'm struggling with that because I'm thinking, well, is it really communism, or isn't the nature isn't the nature of any resistance group because they they are passionate and united around a specific goal. Mm-hmm by the very Mm -hmm. virtue of that, they're going to be in a group together. They're probably going to do a lot of things together. They're going to maybe be bound with food and shelter simply because, I mean, number one, they're kind of in hiding. Mm -hmm. And also they're just, they've got a they've got to, they've got to protect one another, but I'm not saying it isn't, it it isn't communism, I just, I, I part of it is sort of like, well, we're like, necessity is the mother of invention in, in their case, I don't know, I don't know, um, there's so many good quotes in this movie, and, and they, gener- and most of them relate to, like, these, these ideas that we've already introduced, mm-hmm. and even with the the lincoln speech do you have you're always good about writing quotes down. Hey, i've got several
0: do
1: you want to are there any that you want to go to first
0: um that idiot licking his nuts again <laughs> was that in here yeah so when the when the um when the guy first breaks through when we first see the signal break through they're talking to, um, the, the two guys that are talking to one another, um, oh, so the guy says, we're, we've got to dismantle the sleeping middle-class and the signal must be caught off at the, sh- at the source. And the two guys that are watching the TV said, oh, that idiot licking his nuts again. Um, <laughs> that, I mean... But uh, I think one that really got me was when, when Frank was talking about um, Frank's is saying, I don't want to get involved because I've got a job and I, you know, I need, I need this job. I've got a family at home. You don't have anything that you are living for nada. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm walking a thin white line And then Frank says, white lines in the middle of the road. It's the worst place to drive.
1: (laughs) He has so many just like like great lines like that. But of course, I'm sitting here going, well, wait a minute. Aren't there white lines on the side of the road, too? I was literally thinking about how like interstates are painted and then. Anyway, that's way too literal.
0: <laughs> I had the exact same thought. Like, no, it's yellow lines in the center of the, and white lines on the. Okay, whatever. All right. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> and also, if it's a white line, everybody's it's one way, and everybody's going the same way, so you're less likely to you're not going to head on crash anybody. You might sideswipe. Anyway. It, yeah, you No, know, this is, but this is what the human brain does. It's, it's okay. <laughs> right, right, right,
0: right. Um, there was another time where some people got on TV, and there's a woman talking. She's, you know, Roddy is listening to the TV. Oh yes, if I'm on TV, I'll never grow old and never die. And talking about like, the how. Fame is going to make you immortal and happy and if you act like those people who are famous, then you will become also immortal and happy. Um, so I thought that that was really good.
1: Um, yeah, especially with the I mean think of reality TV and I mean think of YouTube and everybody wants their their 15 minutes. And people are getting really, really, really rich mm-hmm. off of their fifteen minutes. <clears throat> and you know, some people I will also say—I mean, I'm not saying YouTube is evil. I'm not—I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, think about like the cranberry juice guy who recorded him earlier this year on yeah. the skateboard, drinking his Ocean Spray, listening to Fleetwood Mac, and now that guy. Uh, bought a house for cash and he's in commercials with Snoop Dogg. I mean, if that's not the American dream, I, I don't know. That's, that's, that is a version of the American right. dream. Um, and I was also thinking about, there's a comedian and I wish I knew her name, but she was basically like struggled for 20 years, was thinking about getting in the business. And then she started making these TikTok videos, um, lip syncing Trump. And her career exploded. Sarah you Cooper? Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's right. And you know, the interesting thing about this this film is normally, I mean, John Carpenter is very anti-establishment. So a lot of his movies have the theme of, you know, the individual the individual trying to overcome you know deal with a corrupt society mm-hmm. and so there are all these great lines and and more than one you know multiple characters have them you know there's a street preacher there's the guy who's a member of the resistance who's on the you know breaking through the cable to deliver his message the one who's licking his notes apparently <laughs> um, and you know Frank. Frank has got um, Frank has got a good speech, and we'll, we can read more quotes. But I thought, like, normally that kind of stuff in a movie or in a book will get you like it'll be called like pedantic, right? It's uh-huh. like this lecturing. You know, there's no subtlety. Right. There's no in the writing world. You know, show don't tell. Uh-huh. It's just blatant. But I think it fits perfectly for this for this film. It it had to be that.
0: Well, yeah, and there's so many. There are so many things that are over the top, that this sort of dystopian stuff really uh, kind of fit in with it. You know, like. Um, something that I thought was hilarious was the gigantic fight scene, like that 10 minute fight scene between (laughs) Nada and Frank. And I just even, I stopped taking notes because I was like, what is happening? And apparently there is a like, shot for shot remake of that fight scene done by South Park and it's between Timmy and another kid (laughs) but it's kind of confusing because it's hard to tell whether Timmy or Frank is supposed to be well Timmy or this other kid is supposed to be Nada or Frank but I had to wait until so there's the part where Frank just knees Nada in the nuts, like over and over and over again. <laughs> like you talk about overkill. Um, My favorite part about that whole thing though, is that they get to, they're like, you know, Frank, he like shoves the glasses on Frank's face and Frank sees a lady and a man walking by and they've got the skulls, whatever. So they like hobble into a hotel and then like 10 minutes later, we, we get us like a cut to Frank and Nada going into the resistance area and they look fine. Like their faces are not even swollen. They're like, <laughs> there's no guess, blood on their uh, clothes
1: <laughs> because Roddy Piper's Face at the end of that. I felt like I was watching a Rocky movie. Yeah. You know? So, Bester Stallone always gets like the balloon eye. Uh huh. You know, and I thought the same thing because there was one scene where Frank and um, Nada were walking, and I thought to myself, and I bet their clothes aren't dirty anymore. And sure enough. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they you know they weren't so yeah talk about suspension of, of disbelief
0: right oh gosh um but
1: I really love that you called out how in the beginning of the film not a he's in the tent city and or no maybe he's not in the tent city yet but he's sitting on a wall and he can he sees into someone's living room and that's where the woman is on tv mm-hmm talking about how much fame would mean to her and I think about the it just made me think about the things that we substitute for love and community Mm -hmm. and connection and that you know other things become surrogates for what we really want Mm-hmm. Which I think who doesn't want love who doesn't want to be loved to give love to feel safe to do that and <clears throat> these trade we trade we trade things which is what the humans a lot of the humans in this this movie have done they're like okay I can get that job I want I can have more money in my bank account and you know um, those are the things that become more important and I think in talking about like how we trade, we trade things for um, fame in place of, you know, community.
0: Right. That might cue up
1: of your quotes.
0: I think so because, um, you know, along that same line, it, it's really hard during the pandemic right now to make human connections and continue to hold human connections. And um, there's this, quote that I read, um, I think I found it in the brain pickings uh, newsletter that comes out once or twice a week. Um, But there was a quote from Martha Nussbaum, um, and it says, but the life that no longer trusts another human being and no longer forms ties to the political community is not a human life any longer. And I think that that kind of has to do, like, Frank, Frank has already, like, opened himself up to his wife and his kids, and he's trying to not get involved in anything that's happening in L.A., even if it's, like, very closely related to the life that he's living. And he... The way that he is able to make that um, to to square that with himself is by saying, "Well, I got to work for my wife and kids. I got to send them home money. I've got them to support." Um, but you know that kind of makes him complicit in all of this if he were not to act right and. So,
1: it's troublesome, right? Because if you, if you are, if you're, if the main thing you're struggling with is whether you're going to have enough food to put on the table versus someone who's like, gee, which, which, um, um, what, what group, what, what, which charitable organizations do I put in my estate? (laughs) Um, but you could say that, you know, with the systemic issues of poverty, incarceration, homelessness, mm-hmm. those are because they are systemic, they are forms of control in and of themselves, and we can all get trapped I don't I'm struggling for the word to use, but we can get trapped by um by by basic survival needs Yeah, and, and you know, does that really make us complicit? Or are we just trying to take care of our, our loved ones? And that pulls you out of the larger, how, how you participate in the larger society beyond just like trying to survive. It's really tough. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I mean, and that's the point that, one of the guys make at some point, he says, oh where did I put it? Uh, These, you know, we're fighting against the commies that are trying to bring down the government selling out, um, and doing anything to be rich. Um, this is the, I'm assuming, Oh no, I'm sorry. This is the wrong part. Uh, I'm looking at like the construction boss. Oh, they own everything. We can make money if we leave them alone. I can see. Oh, okay. Um, that was my comment afterwards. I can see how this vigilante shit can make people crazy. Um, basically like that was where I was starting to question whether Roddy and Frank's role here was actually as good as it was being portrayed as, where, like, the bad guys are saying they own everything, we can make money if we leave them alone, like, um, that they have... uh, that they have the ability to make our lives hell. They also have the ability to make our lives okay, as long as we just leave them alone and let them do what we, what they want to do. And so then like when Nada starts really going through as a vigilante, like I'm, uh, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to turn this around Like, I can see how the, when you're fighting against a system like that, that seems so huge and seems so out of control that it feels like the only option is violence. And like my thoughts, honestly, went to school shootings and... Um, like the sort of vigilante lone wolf guys who are like, well, I'm going to take out this or that. And that really scared me. Um, because you have to have a balance. You have to have the balance of like taking care of your, your family and your little community group. And also having the trust that your government is going to do the right thing. And I think that that's where it breaks down is if you can't trust your government to do the right thing, most of the time, then you're going to start giving up some of the safety of your family to like fight, be part of the resistance. And that's scary. like.
1: Yeah, and a lot of you know, and this, this, oh gosh, this calls to mind, you know, um, white people, uh, have had at least the illusion of being able to trust their government a lot longer than anybody of color in this country, mm-hmm. including, I mean, you know, I, I, you know. <laughs> If you're African-American, wouldn't you say, you know, I was never under this illusion that the government was going to take care of me. Right. Like, right. it's never been that way. It's never been, it's not been my experience that the police are going to protect me. Right. And think about Native Americans, you know, they literally got screwed out of everything. Right, right. Um, everything. Like, did, we did not keep any promise that we ever made to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, It it brings to mind like the the racial divide. So in in the film, Nada, uh, played by Roddy Piper, is white. Frank, played by Keith David, is black. And I remember us talking before we started recording of how much risk, um, how much risk a white person may believe they can take Mm -hmm. versus a person of color because the stakes are so high there, you know, people of color, they're already, you know, they're already, they're, they're already, a, a lot of people of color are already not getting the same advantages, working harder to get, you know, even anywhere equal to what white people do. Right. And, and then there was so much discussion around the, you know, the siege on the Capitol that um, people were saying if this had been a largely black group mm-hmm. and not a white group, this would have shaken out way, way different. <clears throat> like way different. Um, and you can't you can't really disagree with that.
0: <laughs> and I think a lot of that has to do with the power dynamics, both with um, who is, allowed by society to have weapons on them freely, um, and, uh, intimidate with weapons. Um, obviously, uh, I think that I am stating the obvious in that, um, white people get to or have the privilege of being able to carry weapons openly in public and on sometimes on federal grounds, apparently. Um, whereas like, you know, the reason that Dr. King's um, peaceful protest movement worked so well was because it was like, well, we're the minority, we're, we don't get to use the scare tactics. Um, and w- one of the things that I kept seeing was, images of people with disabilities who had p- peacefully protested at the Capitol and had been, you know, dragged out of wheelchairs and forcefully removed. And so like the 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 juxtaposition of those two images, the people who get to protest in ways that are uh, more forceful or scarier, uh, and the people who don't get to. And I think it has to do with, you know, um, the police see themselves as more powerful than uh, minorities and underrepresented people. And so they're not afraid to take them out.
1: Yeah. And like, I may. Admit- Reminded me of this quote, well, this this passage um, from a long essay by Howard Thurman, who was African-American, and he basically, and this was, I'm trying to think when he wrote this, it might have been back in the 40s, and he basically said, white people can operate in both worlds. They can operate in their world, and they can also cross that boundary, and they can operate in the African-American world. Mm-hmm. African-Americans can only operate in their own world, and that world is quite small because it is being, you know, subjugated mm-hmm. by 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 the white majority. And, I mean, this was, <clears throat> you know, almost 100 years ago now that he said this. Maybe not that long, but still, I mean, there's still a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very difficult thing to say and think about, but I think a, it's, a lot of that is still true.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. So there was a, we haven't talked much about Holly yet. Holly is the, um, you know, is the co-conspirator woman who worked at cable 54. Um, and, uh Nada basically carjacks her and forces her to drive him to her house which I was like wow what a shit like wh- I was on Holly's side for so much of this and I know 1988 such a long time ago but still like you know All that she knows is that this guy held her up at gunpoint and is forcing, you know, forcing her to drive to her own house where she's probably like, well, I'm going to get raped and murdered. Um, There's a very large cactus on the inside of her house, which made me think of the, the big old cactuses at your house. And then I started like, There was a point where they walk into the Cable 54, uh, building, they go through the underground tunnels and they end up in the Cable 54 building and there's that same cactus or that same type of cactus. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. I did not notice it. I noticed the
1: cactus in her apartment. I thought, hey, that's like a cactus. (laughs) I did not notice the cactus in i was about to say studio 54 (laughs) table 54
0: it's Um, hard to see the cactus when there's so much coke in the air
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah i mean it was like ultimately revealed she's not an alien but she is she's complicit i mean clearly she's wealthy you can tell from her home she's executive director of something or other but also
0: she asks she asks Roddy if he wants a drink he's like no I'm fine she brings herself over I mean this may signal her alienness she brings over a a bottle of warm white wine and pours herself a glass and starts to drink it and I was like what so I was like on her side okay yeah holly she's a scared woman with these weird eyes and then she drinks that i'm like "Mm, honey i don't no no you are not who you say you are there's something weird drinking
1: that warm chardonnay (laughs)
0: um and then but then she sends him out the window and i was like hell yeah and i'm
1: sitting there thinking like there's no way he would have survived that. There's no freaking way he would have survived. I mean, he would have been too beat up to even have broken, like, half of his body, you know. And maybe this is like a, because I was viewing that whole segment kind of through two different lenses. Like, at this point, in the movie, I mean, I was very aligned with Roddy Piper's character. I know, we know as viewers, he's not going to do her any harm. He's just trying to get himself to safety. But then, of course, she doesn't know any of that. She doesn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you said, she's been carjacked at knife point. She's had to go, you know, she like you said, she faces the very... Real possibility she's going to be raped and murdered in her own home, which that those are our sanctuaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, I lost my train of, of thought. It, it actually reminded me of another film from the 70s with Robert Redford, and I believe it was like Three Days of the Condor. I'm so dating myself. Um, but basically, he's... He works for some sort of spy-type organization, and he realizes that he and his whole team have been double-crossed, He's and they're after him. The people he thought he could trust are after him, mm-hmm. and I can't remember how he ends up in this woman's house. It's Faye Dunaway, and of course, she's like, it's the same kind of scenario, He's just trying to keep himself safe, but she doesn't know that he's 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 a this is a home invasion, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: according to Google, he has his collar popped a lot in this movie, which, uh, like, I'm here for it. He looks good. Um. Ah.
1: <laughs> and you know, I wonder if this is this is kind of a random. Oh, Random Tangent would be another uh, um, hyperbole example in addition to very unique. As
0: we <laughs> random it, Tangent, yeah.
1: Free recording. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, I know John Carpenter is, is really big into Westerns, and you definitely get that at the beginning of the film. Yeah. The score has a Western-type feel. Western blues, I guess. Western R&B. And you've got like this drifter, you know, he might as well be a cow. He might as well be wearing a cowboy hat coming into town. And, um, you know, maybe we'll tweet about this. But I've been seeing a lot lately, a lot of attention on the horror Western um, and a lot of articles about top horror Western. So And then, okay, the reason I did bring that up was the presence of the cacti. Maybe that was enforcing sort of the... Western desert here. Oh, okay. Of angle. I don't know. I mean these random things just come to mind while we're talking and I'm like I that could be total horseshit if I really sat and thought about it. I don't know, but
0: <laughs> so I am like I meant to look this up before we started. Um but the obey um billboard that's like the first real message that we see now now that we're on random things right now i had just done like this like work sponsored graffiti thing the other day like work fun um thing where we learned about graffiti uh some of us did half of us did um and he or somebody in the class referenced the obey artist who is shepherd ferry um and apparently uh, his um his website says manufacturing quality descent since 1989 and i I wonder if this guy Um, if you just Google obey graffiti, his stuff will come up, but he was doing like, you know, illegal graffiti art apparently since 1989. So after, um, this movie came out and I wonder if this was a direct or if his art is a direct reference to this, um, this movie um sometimes things end up coming
1: up at the same time you know yeah. they're not there's not a like what this person didn't know about the. and maybe he did i mean it, it, it's like at least as possible as otherwise but it is interesting how things some similar types of things can bubble up on their own at the same time if that is what would happen in this case And that's such a that's such an indication of the times because um, it's very hard when you're living you know, when you're living to lot when you're living your life to think about like what what will people say about, you know, the, the major what were the major themes of our time. Um, of course, when there's when things are as dramatic as what is going on, what what happened at the Capitol, and hopefully nothing else because we don't know for like out of the woods yet. Um, yeah. I mean, I have talked to more than one person, who has, who has talked about worrying that the power grid's going to go out, being stocked up on. Um, dried food, talking about going to the woods. I've talked to more than one person who has said that. Um, like even my boyfriend, he's, he's like, it, when, I t- when I tell you that we need to go, like we need to go. He's, and, and, and I'm just like, but, and I said, <laughs> I was like, well, okay, but we have to bring my cats. So I'm not really sure how that would work out in the
0: woods. Um, uh, he'd
1: have, have to build a structure for them. I've already told him, like, the first thing you would have to build is the cat house before you build. Yeah,
0: because they're not going to be too happy in a backpack for very long.
1: No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, have, you, have you talked to anyone who has expressed that sentiment?
0: Uh, yes, not directly about this, but... Um, I know and talk often to people who are kind of ready to take that on, should it happen. And I think that that's a, I mean, maybe that should be the subject of our next one. I mean, we kind of, uh, dealt with it a little bit with, um, what's the one about being quiet? You know, the the movie where they have to be so quiet, a quiet place. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wait, hold on. Did you mute? Cause I can't hear you. Did you mute? Oh, yeah, yeah. That place
1: where they movie about that place where they have to be quiet. Oh yeah, okay.
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that that's there's both the the feeling of like we've got to uh, we've got to make things better, right? We've got to stay and make things better. Um, But then also the feeling that, like, it's very possible that shit's going to go sideways. And what do we do when that happens? And I've been thinking a lot
1: about... It's already gone sideways because of COVID. You know, people are already stocking up on, on things. But, yeah. And I think
0: that... So I've been thinking a lot about apocalyptic fiction and how like we think of the apocalypse as being like, okay, there's an event, there's one event and your life has changed after it and we have to deal with the changes that come after it. But I I wonder if like this post-apocalyptic fiction really, like it uses that trope to talk about how people deal with change. And the things that come out um, when people deal with that change. And I think it's, um, I personally like the Octavia Butler parable of the sower, like, hey, we do what we have to to survive right now, but we're not going to, like, we don't have to be the vigilantes. Um, versus the, they live, which is like, well, it's up to us. We're the only people who know. And so let's mow them down. Um, but you know, that's also me and I don't, uh, you know, I haven't had to deal with really significantly negative life-changing circumstances, um, where I felt like I needed to and please I'm not inviting that.
1: Right. Like please don't, I hear you. Like, I hear you there. <laughs> um
0: so, you know, we don't necessarily know what we would do.
1: Right. I mean, I can, I, I I feel like this natural affinity for the like I would join Roddy Piper's group like absolutely and then i just remember all these memes you know after covid started and it's like you know this this is what this is how i thought i would i would show up during the pan- pandemic and it's like trinity from the matrix you know you <laughs> yeah. like all up in your skin tight black latex And it's like, well, this is how it really is. And it's like, you know, I'm in my pajamas, you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) I'm in my pajamas on conference calls all day because I can be, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, how do you think we would wrap
0: up? Oh, goodness. I mean... It's it's really hard. I don't have a whole lot of advice as far as um, I wish I had really good advice on how to avoid the sorts of um, falling in down conspiracy theory traps or helping family members who have fallen victim to those sorts of things to those who have you know uh started eating up the propaganda I don't uh, honestly I don't know um
1: yeah me neither and I think you know I don't know I think people talk about like oh when you get older you get a little bit more conservative um maybe in I mean that's different for everybody um and may not, you know, be true. I feel like there are a lot of ways that I'm like, definitely not, <laughs> definitely not. But I also find myself having less faith overall in, you know, in in these systems that are and, and not, you know, that I think are supposed to be here for us, to protect us, right. Um, so there are, there definitely can be things that change where it's just like, well, I just, I just don't know, you know, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? How do you see? How do you, this movie makes it easy. Right. You, you can see, you can literally see a bad guy.
0: Right. You there's, just put on the glasses or dump the content. Contacts into your eye like Frank did. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but there's, there's too much, and this is what's contributing to the divisiveness. There's too much, you know, too fast of a labeling of good and bad. And it's really, it's not getting us anywhere.
0: Right. Right. And uh, well, maybe, maybe I know for me, what has been working is focusing on the things that I can control. I can wear a mask, I can wash my hands, I can vote, I can um, talk to my children, even though they're super young, but talk to my children about the things that matter. And then on the other hand, I try to be thoughtful and measured before I say or write anything publicly about these sorts of things. Like, you know, the old trope about, you know, behind every great woman is another woman who's just read her emails over real quick before she sends it. (laughs) <laughs> I've not heard that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, at work, sometimes you're like, hey, a uh, friend of mine, I'm going to send this to so-and-so. Can you tell me if the tone is correct? I think that having somebody to bounce your, somebody who you trust, somebody who is not... Uh, who doesn't necessarily agree with you on all things but is a clear thinker um that you can say hey this is this thing that i'm going to put out publicly how does this sound um yep
1: and I have been both of those people, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm sure we all, I've am i been the asker and I've been the askee, you Ooh, know, Yes. and boy, it's a lot easier to recognize when you're the askee, you know, somebody says, Hey, what do you think about this? And you get this long ass email. It's like, Oh, Oh God, no, you cannot send this. Right. Like right. You, you didn't send this, right? Like you, like, tell me you have not sent this. No, right. Okay. Good. Good. Let's <laughs> uh, cut it like. By seventy five percent, and let's take out some of the charged
0: words. And, <laughs> right. There. Charged uh, words. That's a good, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Um. But also, like. Anyways, yeah. That's my that's my thing.
1: Yeah, I think you know I'm I, re- I really enjoyed the film. It was great. In 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 a lot of ways, it was kind of I don't know, kind of kind of average and others, mm-hmm. but de- you know, definitely definitely a great premise, and I mean, just such a such a great vehicle for calling out, you know, what is prob- what is problematic. Um, in our society and then of course you know it just it, it was the first one that, that came to mind when we were talking about doing something related to the capital I mean well first I started thinking well what about a political thriller mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, that's that's really obvious and boring let's, let's I mean we watch horror movies damn it let's get a yeah. horror movie
0: in here. <laughs> and, and I mean this was about as close to horror as you could get like the the masks were sort of <laughs> dinky, but the, I mean, the way that it kind of fucks with your brain was, was pretty good. It, you know, I, I'm still a little, again, unsure of who to root for. <laughs> Maybe that says more about my political leanings than it does about the movie.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're the, I mean we, we need to question, right? We need to question. So maybe that's the best conclusion is that there isn't just one. You know, there isn't just one. Right, right. So uh, I'm about to... I'm gonna have to succumb to the series of never-ending hot flashes that I've been having while we've been recording this oh, episode. Jesus. Yeah, so I think that um, we're we're at a good stopping place because, like, I need to go stick my head in the freezer <laughs> for about five minutes. Um, there's gotta be a good horror movie. There's gotta be,
0: I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh- so i mean we can we could talk about this later but why not uh have you tried flannel sheets
1: i have heard about that and i haven't done it yet and i need to because it's winter and i have the ac on at night in my bedroom so. yeah
0: so our friend heather suggested yeah. uh flannel sheets and uh, heather is um writes under hb norell And it is erotica and you find her stuff on Amazon. It's like 99 cents and it is, she, uh, she does some, does some interesting things (laughs) with her erotica, but she suggested for hot flashes, sleeping on flannel sheets. And I have to say, I have had some of the best sleep of my life. We just got some flannel sheets. I've had some of the best sleep of my life in the last couple of months, like dead to the world asleep, not waking up.
1: Okay, I am going to try that. And I feel like this is kind of a a tie back to the film because Roddy Piper does wear a flannel
0: shirt. Oh, yes. yes.
1: What appears to be a flannel shirt for most of them.
0: Okay, so can we just talk real quick? I just want to say that bomber jacket that he shows up in in the very beginning of the film is just, it's like pristine. I had a really hard time believing him to be a hobo drifter or whatever with that. It's very
1: bespoke.
0: (laughs) John, uh, send my notes to John Carpenter.
1: (laughs) Yes. And, and in memoriam, Roddy Piper, even though it's been five years since he died, uh, rest, rest in peace, Rowdy Roddy, who I I did watch quite a bit growing up on the WWF. (laughs) Godspeed, Roddy, wherever you continue to be.
0: Yeah.
1: Fighting in heaven. That's right. Well, I guess uh, it's been another awesome episode, at least as far as we're concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And um, everybody... Uh stay spooky and stay safe out
0: there. Yeah. Wear a mask, wash your hands.
1: Stay safe. We love you. Yep. Love you too. And everybody. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Hey final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of Horror. But that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to pr- promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.